Today's episode is from a live Shakti Durga online satsang and meditation and includes some audience participation. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. I thought today we would look at an issue that affects everyone on the spiritual path, and that is the issue of being controlling. And, well, you know, it's not a very sexy issue, really, in some ways, Learning about the esoteric meaning of a mantra is much more sexy in a way, but I think that this whole issue of being controlling of other people actually has a really important place to play in our lives. And basically the issue stems from the fact that we are dual-natured beings and that our dual nature is, of course, the nature of the ego and the nature of the soul, and both of those are trying to find a way to optimize your life and the only trouble is that they both have different agendas and that those agendas conflict completely although they would both say we're operating for your highest good so you know listen because I'm interested in what's for your highest good your ego says it and your soul says it and yet both of them are pulling you in a different direction When it comes to how loud the voice is between the ego and the soul, it's generally the case that the ego has a much louder voice most of the time. But when the soul absolutely wants something to happen its way, it can come in and clobber uh, the ego and things can happen. And it often does that when it exerts a subtle pressure upon us by which we just make a decision that seems to be of our own free will from an ego's perspective of, oh, I'm just going to go this way home instead of that way home, and you have an experience that you needed to have. So the soul can kind of come in that way and it doesn't feel at all controlling. It just feels like something we wanted to choose. But let's get back to this business of how the ego would like us to live our lives. And basically the ego wants us to be safe and often sees being in control as how to be safe. Yet there is a subset of that egoic reality that thinks someone else being in control means safe, that I'm safer with someone else in control, and that kind of ego will cede control completely to somebody else and be very happy when someone else is calling all the shots because then they don't have any responsibility and they feel safe that way that no one's going to criticise them for saying or doing something wrong because it was never their decision anyway. So they get to be an innocent bystander in a way and not have any responsibility in the situation. So that's a game that the ego plays as well. And with that latter game of let's just cede all responsibility so it's never going to be my fault, then that game can result in us feeling very disenfranchised down the track and then blaming the person we gave that authority to for having control over us and also criticising their decision and saying, I would have done it much better. So I wonder if anyone has any <laughs> any vague recollection of when they've done that. Oh, you decide, you decide, you decide, and then you don't like what's decided and then you bitch and whinge about it 
or other people do that to you when they don't want to decide, they get you to make all the decisions and then they don't like the way you decided things. And so these are just games the egos are playing. Now, clearly there are times, of course, in every life where it's very important to be in control, not just physically, mentally, emotionally, but also spiritually. But thinking about the obvious examples, you know, it's very important to be in control if we have young children and we're responsible for their safety. Of course, it's important to be in control in that situation. We don't want them playing on busy roads. We have to guide their well-being. We have to have firm rules about what's okay and what's not okay in the raising of children. Otherwise, you breed monsters. People who give their children too much control too young will breed a monster. Whereas if you carefully cede control to the child in a graduated way from the time they're old enough to think and communicate until they're 21, 22, 23, you'll have very well-rounded individuals. But of course, it takes the wisdom of Solomon to know what to give control over to that person and what to retain control over and when. And many parents just leave it too late in the in the stakes to um, give that authority to their children and they try and control them. And I think there's no better example of all that control than have you been watching The Crown? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I don't actually care whether or not it's got anything to do with reality. And I do feel a bit sorry for the actual humans whose lives are being portrayed in that dramatic way. And for me, I'm taking it as pure fantasy, what I'm seeing on the screen, with the odd little link into reality, i.e. there was someone called Charles, there was someone called Diana. But as to the rest, I'm seeing it as fantasy. But I'm also enjoying it. Like it's really great fantasy. It's a great story. It's a great drama. But I'm looking at the train wreck of, you know, the, the, the narratives that are up there and thinking, oh, my God, there's just so much control going on in this situation. Everyone's controlling everybody else. And if they would just listen to each other, if they would just do a little bit of parent you're in a child, which they probably don't know anything about in this TV show, wouldn't it be a different situation? <laughs> anyway, so I've enjoyed sitting there going, oh, that's that teaching. They could really use that teaching. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? You can't take the teacher out of the TV watcher. But anyway, <laughs> be that as it may be, it has been funny watching it from that perspective and looking at all the control dramas. And Oh, God. It's very instructive, actually. Anyway, Trying to control relationships and people in relationships, trying to control your husband, trying to control your wife, trying to change them, all those things just generally is a bit of a nightmare, don't you think? It's a disaster. I've never really seen it work effectively as a long-term strategy. It can work in the short term because in the short term, you can exert your will over someone and that they will do what you want them to. But the amount of resentment that it breeds is not good. And, and we would stop there if we were looking at this from a path of ease and grace perspective. But because we're looking at it as an issue arising on the spiritual path, then, of course, we've got to look at what is driving us to want to have that control in the first place and what's it going to do to our karma? Because as we're trying to busily control other people, of course, that's going to mean that that's going to rebound on us because of the law of um, cause and effect there's going to be people controlling us, which we're not going to like. So I just thought we'd um, just have a little feel into this area today. I thought I would see what you guys thought about this topic. (laughs) 
Sundari's going, yeah, just uh, or you just quietly judge them. Yeah, that's right, around other people being in control. And Gabrielle says, avoiding arguments is easier. It's easier to just say, oh, yeah, you decide. Yeah, and that's probably one of the big motivating factors, isn't it? What are we, what are we trying to avoid when we go into these control games? And I think that's really interesting. What are we avoiding? And for me, I think we're trying to avoid pain, aren't we? And that pain that we're trying to avoid often comes in the form of being rejected, having somebody else get angry with us, not being acceptable anymore, the fear that we won't be loved. And I think for some, there is a fear of feeling a feeling I don't want to feel. And then that can be quite incapacitating. We don't want to feel those feelings. We want to stay in this nice little bubble of is everything nice, keep everything nice, just be super agreeable, just make everything beautiful all the time. And of course, then nothing gets real, does it? Nothing's really real. And you end up in that mode of just totally communicating with uh, conversation style rather than anything else. I think sometimes too, the controlling narrative comes from anxiety and it comes from the anxiety that someone we care about is going to make a decision whereby they will get hurt. And at first blush, this does appear to be quite noble. You know, I don't want you to be hurt. And that's what we tell ourselves. But is it, I don't want you to be hurt, or I don't want to have to deal with the feelings of loss if something happens to you. I don't want to have to feel my feelings if, if you who I love uh, have a situation that causes pain to you, thus it causes pain to me. So I'd rather control the whole thing so I don't have to have those feelings. And I think there's more of that going on than we would think. And I think it's probably sitting a bit under the surface for most people. And of course, we always like to look at what's under the surface, don't we? Pull it up, drag it out, have a look at it, clean it up and see if we can do it a different way. So I think it's good to to, to do that with these things because when we're coming from that unconscious fear place and our knee-jerk reaction is, control, 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 then we're coming from a vibration of fear, aren't we? It's coming from a vibration of anxiety and that's not going to be good for our overall level of vibration because as I understand self-realization, it's about becoming stable and steadfast at the vibration of at least love, if not bliss and peace and joy. And if we think of the divine as Satchitananda, truth, consciousness, and bliss, then that's where we want to meet the divine. And sometimes these little pockets of things that we think, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm really more interested in mantras now, I don't, don't want to really look at that stuff, I want to just do it all with mantras, I think, yeah, but there can be pockets that you overlook and these things can hold us down and stop us from being able to achieve the full majesty of what it is that our spiritual practices in the usual sense of meditation, prayer, puja, uh, mantra, or having healings or blessings, all of these things give us tremendous lift and shift. But sometimes there's little, little bits that are just hiding under the surface and we put a lot of energy into the whole system and then what happens is those little bits, they gather energy too. And so then what happens is over time that bit is going to become quite big and it's going to explode out somewhere and mess up your life. And then we wonder why it is that we're sabotaging ourselves in 
this area or that area. And then we don't connect the dots and we don't bring it back to our lack of being able to deal with this fundamental issue of our fear running our life. Because, you know, fear is responsible really for the maintenance of all of those lower vibrational emotional states. Now, as you know, I'm a proponent of oneness, not duality as a system of consciousness. And I don't believe that there's good emotions and bad emotions. I think they're all fabulous. And I find that they're all messengers. And so there's times when anger as a messenger is in your life for a reason. There's times when fear as a messenger in your life is a reason. And it's very wise to listen to the voice and to see what it has to offer you. Anxiety is there as a messenger to give you some information about your environment, about the people in your environment, about you. And so we need to listen to that voice. But the knee-jerk reaction of control another person when I feel those things, that's what I really want to put um, a bit of a highlight on today and say, well, if your aim is self-realization, that may be something that is a speed bump on your journey. And so how can we develop some strategies where we can come up with another solution? I've found with a lot of people that I've met and had healings with or given healings to that if they can't control it, they abdicate. Fine, then do what you like. How many times has that been said to you in your life? Or how many times have you said it to someone else? Fine, then do what you like. I wash my hands of this. Well, (laughs) I don't think that's all that smart either. And I think there's a middle ground. And of course, the middle ground is a sacred ground, isn't it? Extremes, we can visit them, but try and bounce back into the middle ground because you'll get juice out of balancing the opposing opposites, mostly in most situations. So what would that look like? What kind of narrative would that bring forth in your life in these difficult times of personal challenge because it challenges your ego's sense of wanting to be in control so you can feel safe? And so I've noticed that having the internal fortitude to be able to say what you need to say in a normal voice with a good attitude is a real strength for us to develop on our spiritual path. And I'm wondering what others are feeling about the things I'm talking about. So I'm just going to have a look at some of your your comments here. I can see a little bit of agreement coming in. And Susie says, my control patterns have kept me out of intimacy with my partner. Well, there you go. And Carly Ma's relating. A couple of others are relating. Uh, Vedanta Dev says, it's more relaxing and productive being a good listener. I think it's very important to be a good listener. And when people are telling you things, sometimes you already have some codes of wisdom around those things. Sometimes you've been through the sorts of situations they're in and you kind of know that the direction they're heading is it's going to be it's going to be bad. But if you try and control them and say you can't do that or you're an idiot if you do that, then they're more likely to do it. That's the way egos work. So fine then do what you like. We know it doesn't work either. So being able to lovingly say, you know, I once had a situation like that and when I tried that, this is what happened. So that you're giving the information that's honest but not in a judgmental way. 
that can be very helpful. And then they can take that information and do what they like with. And it's then their decision as to whether or not they listen to what you had to say or not. And can I separate out here, listening to what you said and choosing to act upon what you said? Because a lot of people say, you never listen to me because you don't agree with their assessment. So there's a difference between listening to what someone says and feeling that you are then obligated to act upon what the person says. And if the speaker says, well, you never listen to me, that may or may not be true. Some people do never listen. They never hear what anyone says if they have an alternate point of view that they don't want to hear. But a smart person, a wise person will listen. And then they'll put it into the mix of all the other factors they know of. And then they'll make the best decision they can in the circumstances. And that's all we can really ask of ourselves or the people that we love. So finding offense in when someone does not do what you have just suggested, I think is an egoic pothole because it's their life. Stepping back and going, fine then, I wash my hands at this, is an egoic pothole for us on a spiritual path. And dominating and controlling is also. So wow, where do you find the sweet spot and all that? Well, there is one. There is always one. And in every situation, it will be slightly different. We are a nuanced school of consciousness, not an absolute school. So there's no absolute rule that I can say, just do this. Wouldn't it be great if you could? But it's just to be aware of what your higher soul's giving you and to have your heart open to the person you're talking to. That can make a big difference. Just to have that feeling of heart and love coming through There's a sense in which you want the energy of your heart to come up and come out with the words you're saying so people can feel safe listening to you. Whereas if they feel the, oh, God, you're going to kill yourself here. This is, you're going to ruin your reputation. You're going to, uh, whatever it is, that fear that's coming up from the clenching solar plex of the person who doesn't want that, don't want you to do something, then that comes out through your voice and people rebel and react and, you know, it's not good. And then you think, oh, well, I better not say anything anymore because I don't get a good response. Well, have you ever thought, well, maybe the reason you're not getting a good response is because of the energy you're putting into the situation. So these are all great things to play with, don't you think? I think we're bringing forth some more tools, some more options of how we might deal with the inevitable conversations that we need to have in life that involve that we don't think the same as the other person. I mean, really, that's what makes relationships interesting is that we, we find ourselves through noticing the differences between how we approach something and how someone else does, we find self, really. We find who we are. And there's no point trying to, to impose who we are on another person because we're not that person and they're not us. Just going to have a look at some of the comments that are coming in. Gabrielle says there's a fine line between being responsible and having to take control for the best outcome. Yes, for example, caring for elderly parents. And I think that's a really good example. There are times where you really have to pray and meditate a lot about what would be the best for elderly parents. And You know, parents who want to stay in their home at all cost and sometimes the children just have to say, look, you really need to go into assisted care 
or we really need to get a nurse into the home pretty much around the clock. These are, and they might not want that. So those decisions, I would put caring for quite elderly parents in the same bracket as caring for children, because I think you do have a, a sort of parental obligation to those people. So it's, I would say that's a different class of decision-making, even though we still want to be in our heart and have the soul's guidance coming through, as dealing with people in the normal run of life, people who might be our partner or adult children or parents who haven't yet gotten to that stage or friends or work colleagues. So I'm talking about the general run of relationships in the comments I'm making today. I hope that's clear because, of course, we need to have very clear directive behaviour towards people that we're responsible for, like children or very elderly people. Sri Suryani, I'm grateful to be finally in a primary relationship where love doesn't have to equal agreement. Oh, yes, that's very profound. Yes, we can love each other and we still cannot have to agree on everything. How to stand up for what I prefer without the defensiveness and resentment in my voice. I actually think that's an absolute key. And, you know, we're a school of energy. We're a Shakti school. And so how we hold our energy is absolutely crucial to good outcomes in situations and not always easy to manage because Shakti is a bit wild. Not always easy to manage. But with time and with lots of Durga mantra and our Kali mantras and things, We can get better at controlling it and with practice as well. And the more strongly connected we get to our higher soul and the Shiva principle, the more the Shakti is pulled up to higher levels of vibration and it's a bit easier to manage than it is when we're just expecting our poor old ego to manage it unassisted. Uh, Leah Magdalena says, that's all so true, Shakti Durga. I'm a believer that people can only try to control others, but everyone's free to choose what we do unless we're physically restrained. So we need to let go of trying to control others. We can make suggestions but have no expectations of others following it. Feel secure enough to just listen and acknowledge but not react when someone wants to control us. Yeah, and it's a dance. It will always be a dance. There will be times when it's like, oh, wow, thank you. That's great. I love that idea. Even sometimes we can hear the ring of truth in what someone's saying to us, even though we were going to do something else. But, oh, And then our ego is not always happy that someone else has got a better idea. And part of the grace that can come into our personality is to be able to breathe through that, reassure your ego and say, there's nothing wrong with you, but actually that is a better idea. Talk to your own ego. Reassure your ego, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know that's a really good idea. Let's have that idea. So there's ways through this. Vinavani Yet again, developing discernment in this area is so important. And it's more than a mind thing. It's coming from the heart and connection to the divine. Yes, I think it is too. Yeah, and um, Leah's having the hardest control dance with the toddler. And, you know, in my view, we have to be quite uh, firm with some things with the toddlers so that they know there's some boundaries and that we are not negotiable with, with things that are important whereas other things can be a discussion and can be negotiable. And finding the balance of which one of those sits where is, of course, the $24 million question, isn't it? One other issue, I suppose, is where we don't just offer advice to people when we can see that they're struggling with something. We say, oh, let me do that. I'll do that. Let me do it. 
And whilst you're wanting to help, sometimes people would rather learn how to do it. Sometimes they'd say, oh, thank you, that's great. And sometimes they actually like to learn how to do things and they're happy to have some advice, but can you just let me have a go? So instead of, oh, let me do it, a better strategy might be, would you like me to help you? Or would you like me to show you how to do that? Or would you prefer to do it yourself? And if you're doing it yourself, maybe you might want to try this. I found this works in the past. Can you see how it's more nuanced? There's more nuance. And that's what we're going for is just a little bit more nuance, which means a little bit less black and white about on off. There's only two settings on off. I'm either doing it and I'm in control or off. I'm not involved. So the subtle art of relating takes us into a place where we can, we can dance with it. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.